Okay, welcome to the inaugural episode of our podcast. Um, we are workshopping names. I don't quite know what the name of the podcast is yet. We're shopping around a few Kingdom Connections, Faithful Fellowship, all kind of stuff. We're going to narrow it down and decide it, but it's a, it's a work in progress. But, um, my name is Chad. I'm here with Caleb and Kevin. Hi guys. Hi guys. We are all members of Cross Life Bahalia. I'll have the link of the YouTube in the description. Um, and normally Pastor Justin Hill is um, joining us too, but his children are homesick and he didn't want to leave his wife to fend for herself, so I understand that. As a parent of a two year old, I completely understand. Um, I wouldn't know with that. I wouldn't know. No. Um, just, just imagine a, a, a tornado of chaos running through your household, tearing everything off the shelves and cabinets, and um, and also tearing down your will to live. Right, um, and your house, your house is perpetually dirty. Like there's nothing you can do to keep it clean. Like you can work all the time, but there's always something to clean. That's what my dad tells me. So I guess it is true. Yes. <laughs> he calls right, me fart. Get any better. <laughs> he calls me fart man. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've given up at this point. I don't. I, if I see a pop tart curl on the floor, I just think, oh, ants will get it. I guess. <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. Well, we have three dogs, so if there's something on our floor, it won't be there long. So. Oh no, dude! I, I have. We have a dog. And she's one of of ten that got dropped off in that cove back there. Oh. And so. Um, yeah, she's she wants to be outside all the time, and it's a nightmare. Um, I'm not a dog person. I'm just not. Uh, I don't. I don't care for animals. I don't want. I don't want animals in my house. Like I like other people's dogs. Like yeah. cool. Yeah, all sweet, cute. But I don't. Yeah. I don't want them in the house. You just don't want. One. No, I don't. I don't have the bandwidth to care about an animal. I just. I don't like cats. You know, we've had our dogs for like seven, eight years now, mm-hmm. and. It sounds really terrible, but I'm kind of waiting for them to pass on. Oh, oh, that sounds oh, really no. bad, but, you know, they just, they, we have three dogs that are all double-coated, so we have a Husky mix with a Rottweiler, we have a, a German Shepherd mix with a Husky, and then we have a Boxer, who I think really did just come from, like, the worst place you can imagine. It's the worst dog I've ever seen. She She's vengeful, she likes to go to the bathroom <coughs> in the house whenever mom leaves. It's awful. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I don't want an animal in the house. I'm sorry. I I, <clears throat> I pay too much for this house to have a dog scratch up the floors. I, I don't want it. I don't want you to poop in my house. I don't, I don't want to pee all the floor. I don't want to have to sweep dog hair up. I don't want none of that. So I'll I'll, I'll be all right. You know, Pastor Justin had a dog. They had a little wiener dog for yeah. a little while. And uh, mm, I think Buster. Yeah, I think they went. I think he. He gave it to Gracie at one point, uh, Caleb's sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to it after that. They, I don't know if they still have it or what. But that, that dog, let me tell you about that dog. You want to know, the dumb, that's the most dumbest dog <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. Now, not, like, for real. He's, he's, a, he's a, this long. He's got short little legs. And we, I get on my phone, all you see is ears just flapping back, like, and he will chase me. He, I went down the road one time in my truck. I, I look in my rear view mirror. All I see is this little speck of the back of my car. And it's the dog. I'm like, oh, 
my gosh. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I told I told my sister, look, those are those dogs that this won't die until they, they get old. Yeah, it's always the and bad ones. It's always the bad one. I do not understand. Cause like people. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Kevin, you might have a little bit long to those dogs go away. Oh, yeah. My, my mother-in-law's dog, her last dog, she had a Rottweiler that would be 15. So, we've got a good five or six oh, more years to at least. So. Uh, we had a couple of pit bulls that got dropped off out here. Oh, about yeah. five months old. And I tried to put them in the back of the truck to take them to the pound or something, take them somewhere. And um, I'm going to take off down the road. The little thing jumped out of the bed of my truck while I'm going down the road. Jesus. Lived, just bounced, rolled, and then took off back to the house. My gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, so this is supposed to be a Christian podcast, you know, uplifting and fellowship, and we're talking about Dogs. Stupid dogs. Um, dude, what about that service last night? Oh my God. Yes. Dude, that was amazing. It was. It was great. You know, I've, the, I've never witnessed any miracles, you know, firsthand. Yeah. So to see the two ladies get, get their miracles last night was fantastic. It was, um, it was wild. It's nothing like nothing I've ever experienced before. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, right as the guy was so thick, it was like a blanket. I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was, you could feel it so strong in the church. And, um, so the miracles he's talking about is, um, what, he, Pastor Christian said something about um, a lady named Bethel. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. one was that? She's the uh, the shorter lady with the yeah. white hair. She's kind of got like a bob cut. It's yeah. Brittany's mom? No, that's no, Miss Mary Alice. She's a, she's a, I say she's a visitor, but she's more like family. She's been there several times. But no, Miss Bethel was sitting on the... Uh, the left side. She's with, with real the short really short hair. Gotcha. Yes. Okay, I yeah. So apparently there was three last night. Um, Pastor Justin said that Miss Bethel had called him this morning. Um, she said that she has a heart condition, and she's on heart medicine, and she's on arthritis medicine. Mm-hmm. And um, so she said she he said she called her in the last night and said that the doctor told her she needed to either get off of her heart medicine, which will kill her, or get off of her arthritis medicine, which will leave her in pain all the time. Oh, man. And so she's in, um, she basically <clears throat> can't sleep at night because she's in pain. And in the morning, it takes her forever to get out of it. And so she said after last night, she didn't realize it until she woke up. But she went to bed and slept all night, woke up in the morning, and then got up and got out of bed and was getting it going. And then she realized, wait. Something's I'm, different. I'm, I'm not hurting no more. Oh, wow. And so she called God. Pastor Justin and told him the good news. And um, so she, she woke up without any pain the first mm-hmm. time in years. Wow. And so that's awesome. That's um, yeah, and then the, uh, the lady that was in the wheelchair, I didn't get a chance to get her name, but she, uh, she told me on the way out of the service, um, she, she was uh, praying with, or giving praise, basically, with me and Hallie. Mm-hmm. And she was just telling us that... Uh, She's so glad that, you know, God showed up in the service and was there to hear her prayers because the doctors told her that they were going to cut off her legs. That, uh, they, they'd already told her that she was looking to, looking to get amputations. 
Um, and so yeah, she, she took got 20 up, steps he, said, he told her she'll never walk again, and she got up and walked you know, right there in front of the stage, which is fantastic. <laughs> 20, 20 steps out of a wheelchair from an amputee. Yeah, and then the other lady, she, I don't know if you guys noticed, but while everybody else mm -hmm. was up front praying, she was walking all mm -hmm. up and down, all yeah, around the same right. yeah. So the other lady she's <laughs> talking about is, uh, she's about 75 years old, something like that, around that area, and she was diagnosed with stage 1 Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And um, the doctors told her she has stage 1 Parkinson's, and she's on the decline. And she said, I don't receive it, I reject it and rebuke it. And so... Um, as, she's <clears throat> as he's praying with her, he said, do you believe God can heal you from it? She says, absolutely. I don't receive that diagnosis. And so he, uh, they pray for her. She sits her cane down. She takes the hands of two people. She walks back and forth in front of the altar. And on her way back, on her second trip, she started doing a little two-step jig. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> dance it. <laughs> Man. I about lost it. Uh, she, but what really killed me? I don't know if you guys heard her or not, but she said, she said, I just want to be able to dance for the Lord again. Yeah, that's right. I did hear her say that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and that broke my heart. But um, you know, because we take the you take those kind of things for granted for those of us that don't have those problems. You know, mm -hmm. that, you know, we spend so much time, you know, overlooking the small stuff. You know, I mean, who would have ever thought that you would be sitting in a place where you're like, you know, if I could just, if I could just dance for the Lord again, I would be happy. You know, if I could only, you know, if only. But yet we have people with completely able bodies, and standing mm -hmm. like a bucket of water, still as can be. Yeah, right. Taking complete advantage of the fact that we have a God that's performing miracles right from your face, and you're just completely unmoved. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a day of reckoning whenever you realize that, oh, I had the opportunity all these years, and I never took advantage of it. And, well, the Bible says that praise precedes victories. And so it's, you don't just praise God and get all demonstrative and worship after God's delivered you from something. Like, that's what the story of Jericho is so significant. Because the walls of Jericho, I don't know if you, if you can pull it up or not, um, the exact length of the walls of Jericho, walking around the entire city seven times. Mm. And while they were doing it, it was a demonstrative praise while they were walking around the city. And so that's where the whole praise precedes victory is because it's, it, it's, it's a work to praise at times. Mm -hmm. like it, It's stepping out of yourself and it, it's really getting into the vein of who God is, what God is, and what God is doing and has done. And praising Him before the battle's won. That's right. And so, it's really easy. It's really easy to say, thank God after it's done. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to put faith to praise. And before it's happened. So I looked up about the walls of Jericho, uh, for those of you that don't know. Um, it doesn't give a, an exact estimate of how big it was, but it does estimate that it took approximately four to five hours to make one trip around the wall. So uh, can you imagine they did that, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah. long walk, you know. Yeah. I, sometimes I get tired of walking from one side <laughs> of the clinic to the other, so four, four to five hours mm -hmm. is a long time. Oh, that's about three times as long as our normal service. Right? Oh, yeah. 
And they did that exponentially. So one time the first day, two times the second day. Right, right. And so they're walking. You know, the second day they're working, walking eight to ten hours, you know. And then yeah. the seventh day. Yeah. Seventh time. What is that? 24 to 30? That's, that's wild. Exponentially. Yeah, and so you're, you're putting faith to praise, and that's where God does his work, is before the battle's won, before before you start seeing healing and you, before you start seeing cancer gone, before you start seeing blind eyes open and deaf ears um, <clears throat> open, and you start seeing people that have never spoken a word, start seeing that tongue movement. Right, yeah. right. It's hard to praise before you see it happen. But, man, it's easy to let loose once you see it happen. That's right, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know... There's so many people in today's world that are see it to believe it kind of people, you know, but, you know, back in the times before people were actually able to lay their eyes on Jesus and mm-hmm. see miracles performed right before them. There are people like Job, for example, that mm-hmm. that put all of their faith in God even when they couldn't see him. Right. You know, it's and it's crazy just like for Abraham when, you know, when God told him, you know, just pick up everything you have and, and leave. Mm-hmm. Like, why would, why would I do that, God? You know, like, I've got everything going for me here. I'm successful, you know, I've lived a long life. I mean, why do I want to leave all of that behind? Right. It's kind of like what Pastor Rick said the other day. He was telling us, you know, like, if God told me to take my only son that I waited years and years for and take him up on top of the mountain and sacrifice him to you, I'd be like, oh. That's not God. Brother, Brother, I'm not doing that. You know, I waited too long for this kid. You know, I waited too long for this blessing. Yeah, right. Uh, but he had enough faith to step out and do it anyway, and that's right. that's great. Uh, it's hard to imagine, you know, as a father of a two-year-old, you know, and, I, and my daughter, I couldn't imagine taking somebody. You know, it took my wife, uh, my wife and I, six years to have a baby. We prayed for it every day for six years. Caleb's been there the whole time. Uh, every day, I mean, almost every Sunday, we would come up to the altar and we'd be like, God, we just... This is all we want. We, we even made the declaration that if you only give us one, we won't ask for any more. You know, mm-hmm. that's all we want. And I remember the day Justin called us and told us, he was like, you know, after the service today, I was I was driving home with Hannah, he said, and uh, I felt it. You know, today was the day that you guys got your miracle. And it wasn't four or five months later that, you know, I lost my job, but we found out that we were pregnant. And waiting six years to have a baby... You know, and then imagine God says, "Okay, now that you've waited that six years and you've only had two years of life with her, I want you to take her to, you know, wherever and sacrifice her to." (coughs) That would be Mm. immensely difficult, right? Absolutely, man. And that's what's so hard about this. That's that's your progeny. That is that is essentially, in a way, killing a version of yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not only killing a version of yourself, but killing a version of yourself that God gave you. So, like, we all say we're children of God and all that, but, you know, you're manifested. You lived your whole life knowing you. Right. Right. But you, but whenever you have God gifting you, uh, in a way that, in a way that there was no way to have that. It's It's a gift from God, miracle child, and God gave you another version of yourself. That you now have to give back to him, right? Yeah, yep. That's almost unthinkable. You know, it's 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 super difficult. But how many versions of ourselves do we still refuse to give back to God? Mm. Right. Like, because there are, there are different periods and points and times in our lives that we we still keep 
withholding and, and hidden from God. We, we refuse to hand it back over to Him. We think, no, that, that, that's a part of me that I, I, I want to hold dear. Like hurts and pains and insecurities, anxieties, depressions, or even the things that we think aren't big enough for God to handle. Yeah, sure. So like <clears throat> um, people will wait until it's dire straits to give to God. Yeah. So like whenever you're coming up short on your bills, you have to start cutting back on things mm -hmm. and then when cutting back doesn't cut it right right that's when you give it to go you know you know how like you know how cody said yesterday you know you see most people his title his, for those who don't know his title yesterday praise god anyway mm -hmm. anyhow mm -hmm. and he said last night really it's really true he said you, you see most people praising god when things start going bad mm -hmm. you know and that's kind of sad if mm -hmm. that makes sense to me, right? Because like you, know, that shows you. That shows me like, okay, you only come running back to the church when something. things go bad. And okay. I, I, I think it was Pastor Justin that said this. He said some people have. Have you ever seen people go hiking, carry those big old backpacks full of stuff, all the mm -hmm. equipment? You see, and he, he, I think it was, I believe it was him. He said some people carry backpacks like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they don't know it's there sometimes. Mm -hmm. You get so used to it. And playing. you get so used to carrying that, mm -hmm. it becomes, what's the word? Like, it comes rhythm or it, mm -hmm. you, you come, you're used to, you're adapted to it. You're used to the birds. It's just second nature. And and when the, that problem, you start to realize that problem's there again, you come running back to the church. And, you know, it's, now, I just think with people, this, if you, for those, for listening, when you get a connection with God, mm -hmm. You know, it it becomes your devotion, right? And like that's when I don't need to come to him when, like you were saying, my finances, everything, struggles, go back to church, and you know everything's peacefully good, and just you know live go live my life like you know nothing's tomorrow. You know, the, I think that's just what some people need to realize these days. Yeah, I mean you you adapt to your burden, mm -hmm. but that's that's why Paul said I die daily. Mm -hmm. It's it's not only to a spiritual death, but it's also putting to death things that you need to let die. Mm -hmm. It's not just killing your flesh; it's killing the attachment to to spiritual warfare, basically. I mean, if you kill away your flesh, and I I see it as kind of like pruning a garden, mm -hmm. right? If you if you let that diseased portion of tree stay there it'll eventually affect the entire tree mm -hmm. and then what once could have been saved is now no longer saved unless God intervenes mm -hmm. so unless you remove it entirely or God intervenes it's going to stay dead right yeah and so that that's that's when spiritual death is important when you put away every weight every burden Come to God and say, "This is, this is what I am. This is who I am." And build from nothing. Mm -hmm. That's why, in with idol worship, back in the day, when God said, "Go in and kill everything," it's because things are attached to it that you don't realize that you that you don't realize initially. So, like spiritual warfare and stuff. This lady I knew, um, she was on her deathbed. Because this witch had cursed her and put a, uh, 
a cursed frog underneath her coffee table. She didn't know it until she found it. She was days away from passing away. And they found it, got rid of it. But it's the hidden things that will lead to spiritual death. Yeah, I've heard about that before. You know what's crazy, though? What you were saying about that frog? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some things we don't realize that, like, are spiritually possessed. Mm-hmm. Like, I've I've done some research on it. You know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's... This is what I've, I've, I've found. Everybody knows what Pokemon is, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Pocket it, monsters. It, yeah. Dude, let me tell you. It's really... I study it today. You know, you've got, like, the fire, mm-hmm. earth, wind... And I was doing some research and I think, you know, some of those represent different mm-hmm. possessed yeah. spirits. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you got people who are addicted to that and they don't know what they're doing with. Yeah. Like, they're dabbling in witchcraft. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I was, a, I was a Pokemon fan. Like, I was a fanatic for Pokemon when I was younger. I went and had competitions and mm-hmm. everything. I probably had five or six hundred Pokemon cards when I was younger. And I... I mean, I took care of them like they were my prized possession. You know, I put them in sleeves and protected them and dusted them every week to make sure they looked nice. And yeah, I would only play them. I put them in little plastic sleeves mm-hmm. so that I had to play them in the plastic sleeve. They never got dirty. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a big deal when I was growing up. I mean, all of the kids were doing it, and yeah. you just you have no idea what you're dabbling with when you're looking at that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Every, most things that you see in mainstream media that's popular is all attached to the occult. Mm-hmm. Every bit of it. Yeah, I mean, think about the game. I think it's called Magic, the Gathering or something mm-hmm. like that. I looked mm-hmm. into that. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah it's attached obviously, to the I mean, obviously that's, you know, more on the face that it's about witchcraft mm-hmm. and wizardry and stuff. Yeah. When you really dive into that, yeah. it is... It's wild how how far that rabbit hole goes and how bad yeah. it really ends up being. Well, shoot, my favorite video game of all time, Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Favorite video game. I've played it for hours. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> um, one of the... They have deities in that game. Mm-hmm. They have goddess Azura and all. And one of them is Moloch. Moloch Ball. Not the same, but very close. It's a, an orc god. Um, it's a god of destruction and all that kind of stuff. But it's tied to Moloch, wow. the actual god of the Old Testament. Um, <clears throat> and Azura uh, is tied to Athena, which is Ishtar, which sure. is um, old pagan um, Norse god, which is, um, if you see any alcohol cans like I was talking about just about it the symbol of Athena is on the bottle on every bottle you can see the symbol of Athena is on the bottom I did not know that wow it's because it's all tied to it They're all, everything is tied together every, every single thing you see hear watch look at ingest like Oreos Nabisco has the Leviathan cross on the package I did not know that either. Bro. Yeah. The That's Leviathan why Cross. I love Oreos. I love Oreos <laughs> too, man. I want to go get the pack and look. Go get it. That's what Monster drinks. Yeah, you know what Monster Energy drinks too? Oh, yeah. I'm that, way down the hole with Monster Energy. That's, that's Hebrew. That, uh, it, everything is tied together. But I will say that the, the intent 
of the enemy, be it Lucifer, Baal, <coughs> Ishtar, Athena, Zerah, the intent of all of that is to take what's holy and pervert it. Mm-hmm. And so what would be godly is now tainted in the eyes of most humans yeah. that don't have the discernment that they should. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, this right here. I got this when I wasn't in church at all. But to me, it means what it means, not what it means to everybody else. Yeah. People will see that this cross, this, this triangle with an eye in it, says, oh my God, that's Illuminati. It's not what it is. They've tainted what's supposed to be of God. Mm-hmm. The all-seeing eye of God is what this is. It's representation of, of what God is and what God sees. Yeah. Um, so what the Illuminati or Third World Order is, says is what they're trying to do is bring back, bring to fruition the book of Revelation. Yeah. They're doing the work of God in the name of Lucifer. So to me, you can put a praise on that. Because even though they're trying their hardest to pervert and damn the world, they're still working for God. Right, and they have no idea. They have no idea. They're pull, they're, they are fulfilling prophecy in the name of God yeah. while trying to work for Lucifer. But that triangle that you see, that is the fulfillment of the pyramid that they're trying to build. Mm-hmm. They're building a new world order, and the last stone to put on the top of the pyramid is the all-seeing eye of God. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. And so, what <clears throat> I was explaining to one of our um, one of my contractors, he's a Christian, he's a Hispanic guy, and he um, he was talking to me about um, the the crow's foot on the back of the porch, um, and the crow's foot is basically um, just a middle bar and then two bars going off of the bottom like a Christmas tree form or, or a peace symbol without the circle, basically. Right. Um, and they said, he was basically saying that this is satanic. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, that's not satanic. God's in everything. I said, what, what's meant for God has been perverted. So what you take is this peace symbol and you take this cross. You take the cross, and you twist it and distort it. And now you have a peace symbol. And what's, it's an upside-down cross. An upside-down cross is not satanic. An upside-down cross is how the disciples were crucified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it Peter? It was Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter said, I don't deserve to hang the way he did. But yet that's been distorted. It's not the cross that you associate with Jesus. And so now... Common, common rabble says an upside down cross is satanic. Right. No, yeah. it's actually more supplication than a regular cross. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's crazy though because there are so many people that, like you said, have perverted the idea of the upside down cross. That mm-hmm. a lot of times we take we look into mainstream media and movies and things mm-hmm. like that. And any time that there's possession movies or demon involvements in in you know film, they always have the idea where they're they're carrying a tattoo of an upside down cross on their forehead, mm-hmm. uh, or things like that, to try to design. Uh, mm-hmm. I think to try to push that 
that mindset that an upside down cross is against God. Right. Um, you said all that um, about how subliminally mm-hmm. um, the enemy is working for God and doesn't even mm-hmm. know he's doing it. I have an example of that today. So I work as a physical therapist uh, for our listeners, um, and I have a patient today who I talked to who caught me completely off guard. Um, she told me that she is a devout atheist and that she's been a devout atheist since she was six years old. Um, however, uh, she slipped up and told me, yes, I'm a devout atheist. However, my whole family is, is Christian. They believe in God. I was raised in church. Um, my parents are Christian. My grandparents, my grandfather is a pastor. Uh, and then she said something that really took me by surprise, and I had to think about it for a minute and realize that she doesn't know it, but God is working through her because mm-hmm. she told me, she said, I'm a devout atheist. I've been a devout atheist since I was six years old, but... Uh, I raised both of my kids in church, so both of my children are firm believers in Christ, even though I'm not. And I was thinking, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, you don't have any idea what you're saying to me. Like, mm-hmm. you think that it's something like this hill for you to stand on and be proud of, that you're an atheist and that you don't believe in God. But what you don't understand is somewhere subliminally in the back of your mind, you do, otherwise you wouldn't have gone through the trouble of raising your two children to be followers of Christ. And she tried to blanket it under the uh, mm-hmm. the guise that uh, I wanted my children to be able to make their own decisions and decide whether or not they love Christ. <coughs> um, and, you know, and I just kind of went along with it. I tried mm-hmm. to talk to her, but I could tell that at that particular moment, at that junction, it wasn't going to be a profitable conversation. Yeah. What's uh, her reasoning for being atheist? Uh, she didn't have one. She said she's been an atheist since she was six years old. She just came to the conclusion that she didn't believe in God um, and that she just she thinks that it's wild that there are so many of us that believe that there's a higher being that controls things when we're the ones that have to live the day-to-day on earth. It's not um, that he controls things. No, it's wild. It, it's, it's not that God controls things. What's wilder than God controlling things is that God gave us the ability to control things. Mm-hmm. Why would he do that? Right. Mm-hmm. In my human rationale, thinking as a higher power, right? Just if, if I were God, how would I do it? Right. To me, I would, I would leave a little bit in my hands. I would say, you know, you got free will, but not totally free will. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because absolutely. that would save a lot of heartache. But the problem is, it's not true repentance unless it's completely free will. That's right. It's not true supplication. It's not true obedience unless it is totally in your hands. Mm-hmm. Now, God will step in and he will keep his hand on you. He'll, he'll walk with you hand in hand, the footsteps in the sand. But unless you have full control, it's... it's Inane. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, right. And you you'll hear tons of of preachers and pastors explain to you that yes, even though God is the creator of the universe, even though He is all power, He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, and He's in everything that we do and everywhere that we go. Uh, it, you'll hear Him tell you all the time that He's a perfect gentleman. He's never going to press Himself on you. He's never going to mm-hmm. force His will on you. He wants you to make the decision to come back to Him. Right. That's why He gave us free will. We have the opportunity to be wayward and away from Christ if we want to, 
Um, but we also have the opportunity to turn around and make a conscious decision to lead ourselves back to Christ. Yeah, I'd say this, you know, what you, you know, you know, how you saying we got control of it. Sometimes I feel like God sometimes wants us, you know, he's there for us, but he don't, he's not wanting it. This is how I see it. This is how I see it. You know, when Peter got out of the boat, mm-hmm. it wasn't Jesus coming to Peter. Right. It was Peter going to Jesus. Right. And that's how I feel sometimes and and how Jesus wants us to ask him for help. He don't want, he, he don't want, it's not Jesus asking us for help. Right. It's, Lord, can you help me? You know, right. when I feel like I can't control it no more because it's your guidance that helps me and gets it back in control in that situation because that's what happened to Peter. When he stepped out of that boat, the moment he looked away, mm-hmm. the moment he sank. Right. But when he, he was in that water splashing around, I can only imagine doing that in the storm. And all he, all he sees is Jesus is picking him up because mm-hmm. he puts his focus back on him. I just feel like sometimes that you know, you know, you know, you know, you got to take control sometimes. I mean, that's true. You know, you know, you got to, because sometimes you can be, it, I see it as wildfire, you know, trying to tame some, and you try to, and all of a sudden this, this spreads, gets out of control, and that's like, like I was saying, you sometimes we just got, feel like we got to ask Jesus, look, I need that. I, Jesus ain't going to ask us. Jesus ain't going to ask me, do you need my help? Right. Like, Jesus, no. He wants us to ask him. That's that's what I feel like sometimes. Yeah, man, it has to be. <clears throat> there has to be a, a balance in everything. Mm-hmm. To that. that That's just how I kind of live my life. Balance in everything. Um, there has to be good and bad. Mm-hmm. It can't be all good because then you wouldn't know what good is. That's right. Um, and so you can be a devout Christian. You can be a completely devout Christian, so devout that you never leave the house. Mm-hmm. You can be a shut-in for Christ. You can spend all your time praying. What good are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're sure. saving your soul. You, can, you have the most exotic, exclusive relationship with Christ ever, known to man. All I do is talk to Christ. Is that really what Jesus wants? Mm-hmm. There has to be balance in everything. You have to live your life, contend for the faith. Because if you don't put your faith to the test, if you don't test your faith and have trials, and like, like Job keeps getting brought up in our services. I, I'm not sure why, but it seems like the past four sermons Joe's brought up every time. Job was considered. It wasn't, it wasn't, the devil's running around trying to see who to test. Yeah. And God considered him as his trusted faithful. God had his hand on him regardless. And then he's talking, Lucifer's talking to God and he says, hey, um, I'm looking around and just seeing who to test, walking to and fro, you know. He said, well, have you considered Job? Have you thought about Job? He said, well, I can't, you know, I can't. You, you know, you've, you've protected him. you put a hedge around him. And I think that by itself, you know, is a testimony to, to what a relationship with God is. You know, yeah. a dedicated and devout life, God will put a hedge around you to, to protect you from, from 
demonic and, and um, hell's resources. But whenever, whenever you walk in a spiritual authority, you walk past the gates of hell. Yeah. Um, but then the hedge is taken down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then at that moment, Job has to contend for his faith. Uh, up until that point, his faith was null and void. His faith was just in God and no test. He was taken care of. He has no reason to, yeah, thank, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But you don't realize how much God's done for you until you realize that mm-hmm. what all he's done for you is gone. That's right. Every bit of it. <laughs> every bit of it. His house, kids, wife, land, cows, every bit of it, all gone. You know, I think it's wild, though, that we, you know, we, again, I kind of circle back to how we take all of those kinds of things that we have for granted, um, mm-hmm. and then we often overlook that without trials, how would we have a testimony? Right. You know, how could we explain to the unbeliever, right. you, know, you know, there's an age-old question that they're going to ask you inevitably, if you're a Christian and you're an open Christian and people know that you believe in Christ, they're inevitably at some point going to ask you, well, why do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that God, mate, what's so great about your God that, that I should believe him when, you know, when I don't now? And if you don't have some concrete evidence of what God has done for you and what he's brought you through, how, how can I convince you to believe in something that I believe in? You know, um, I heard, I read something on, uh, on Facebook, which is, as you all know, it's like simultaneously the best and worst thing that's ever happened in this world. But right. uh, I read on Facebook uh, one time, it said that uh, God does not deliver you from trials. Um, in fact, he, it says that he orchestrates trials to build your faith, to edify you. Right. Yeah. You know, whenever you think about, like, a, a good story for that is the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm-hmm. you know. If he wanted to, God could have taken them out of the fire. Yeah. But instead of taking them out of the fire and removing them from their trial, what he did was he joined them in the fire. He said, hey, look, you, I'm not going to take you guys out. I want you to go through this. I want you to have this story. I want you to be able to tell people and, and let people see what you go through. Right. But I'm not going to let you do it alone. Right. So I'm going to go in there with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to help ex- I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to experience it with you. I'm going to mm-hmm. hold your hand in this experience so that when you come out unharmed, the other people that see you and look in here, they see the fourth man in the fire. They see right. that I was there with you. Yeah. Uh, because that's the story of a, of a Christian. We get told all of the time that oh, if you were a Christian, how can your, how can your life isn't perfect? How come if you serve this all-loving God who cares about you and takes care of you and is closer than a friend, then how come you still struggle? Why does your mom get cancer? Why yeah. do you know why do you have I got an answer for that. Mom. I got an answer for that. You know, and it's so crazy because you know we have people have this misconception that Christians just live a perfect life, but that's, that's right. not true. We, in fact, I think that we live more fraught lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that we have somebody that we can turn to that yeah. unbelievers don't. Well, the definition of the children of Israel is those who struggle with God. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but the beautiful thing about Christianity is, you're right, you're absolutely right. People, will, if you live a devout life and you're around people that don't live a devout life and you profess your Christianity, they're all going to ask you, why do you believe in God? And, the beautiful thing about Christianity and God is 
every time. No Christian will live a Christian life and not have a story to tell. That's right. God will always give you a, a way to know that he's there, a, a way to know he's real. But the worst mistake I ever made, and I talked to Pastor Justin about this when I went to lunch with him one time, I said the worst mistake I ever made was I prayed for God to give me wisdom. I did the same thing. I prayed for Why? God to give me patience. <clears throat> Why did I do that? Because, trust me, God will give you what you ask for. Yeah. But it's not going to come how you think it's going to come. Mm -hmm. It never looks like what you think it should look like. So, I asked God to give me wisdom. Mm -hmm. I prayed that prayer all the time. I prayed it every time that I prayed. I asked God, please, just... My favorite character in the Bible was Solomon. It's like, dude, he was the wisest man that ever lived. He had to be awesome. Like, he had to be the best. He's wise. There's smart people. There's brilliant people. There's genius people. But wisdom sets you apart. That's right. And so I was like, I want to be wise. I, like, I prayed for years. God, give me wisdom. And then I started seeing the fruits of that prayer. It's like, oh, it's not just I'll wake up tomorrow and I'm wise. No. I had to start making some decisions. I had to start seeing the forest from the trees. Yeah, right. And discernment is hand-in-hand hand with wisdom. That's right. And if you're not careful, you start to overthink what happens in spiritual settings. I have to do that all the time. Yeah. I have to check myself in spiritual settings because I'm trying to discern and be wise in what I let into my ears and into my spirit. Absolutely. That's right. And so, but at that same time, it's a double-edged sword because where I can prevent um, things coming against me and being discerning, I can also logic and reason my way out of the spiritual. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so that, I will say my number, out of all the dumb things I've done, asking God for wisdom yeah. is number one. I think I was the same way with patience, you know, because... I uh, I didn't know what patience was until I had a child. To yeah. be patient. You know, yes. You have to learn how to be patient. You know, I thought being patient was, you know, waiting for a promotion at work. Mm. Even though I've worked my tail off, I'm still not getting that promotion that right. I thought I was going to get. Or I thought also, you know, patience was, like I spoke to you before we started our podcast today, about, you know, looking at buying a house mm -hmm. and uh, waiting till the moment was right to buy a house. Right. You know, sure, those are moments where you express and you, you demonstrate patience. But I didn't right. find out what patience was until... Well, it was right, really it was right before I had a kid, you know, because I, I, as I shared earlier, you know, my wife and I, we waited six years to have a child. And um, I'm not sure if, uh, Chad, if your wife... Um, struggles with any type of feminine issues like PCOS or anything like that if you guys struggled to have kids. Uh, we had a, our first pregnancy with a miscarriage. Yeah. So, you know, and that, I mean, that that in itself right there, that experience itself teaches you how to be patient because how can, how can I, in my, in my logical mind, how can I praise a God that, <coughs> quote, unquote, 
you know, according to the people, allowed that to happen. You know, I don't believe that God just allows terrible things to happen. To yeah. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. I think that everything that comes into your life is designed to edify your faith. Right. And whenever you have a miscarriage, for example, you know, for people that don't, that have never had a miscarriage or that didn't have to have, they didn't have to wait to have kids, they can't understand what that pain feels like. You know, you get all... <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> no, I just need my own mic. Uh, Go ahead. You get, uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, no, you're fine. Yeah, but you, you get the opportunity, you know, like, or you get the, the mindset if you don't have to go through that kind of thing yeah. that, you know, pregnancy just comes natural to women. Um, but then you have someone like my wife, for example, who struggled with PC, who still has PCOS and struggles with that kind of thing. And uh, she... she we took probably <coughs> around 200 pregnancy tests. Um, you know, we, we had to, she had to go back to the doctor countless times. I can't tell you how many times she had to go back to the doctor. And for them, they say every time she went to the doctor, well, Miss Cogus, you have to take a pregnancy test before you can come in because we want to make sure you're pregnant. I don't know, I don't know if you guys can, can see how that feels. But um, <coughs> I'll say it for, you know, for Caleb, because he, he's not trying to have kids right now. But, um, you know, it's really demoralizing yeah. when you when you constantly get told no. Yeah. You know, when you pray every night, you know, you think about that for a minute. You pray every night, God, I just want to have a child. God, I just want to do what I was put on this earth to do. I just want yeah. to procreate and have um, a child. Yeah. And then... On some of those days that you have that prayer, the night before you wake up the next day and you take a pregnancy test before you go to the doctor, and it says, "Nope, not today, buddy." Yeah. Uh, after a while, that becomes really demoralizing. So you have to you have to believe in in the love and in the uh, faithfulness of God right. to yeah. be able to to live through that kind of thing. And it, I think that those kind of scenarios develop your patience yeah you know and so when i think about that when i think about how long it took for us to have a baby um i look back and i can remember (laughs) i can remember saying god i just i just want patience i just want to be more patient and he said okay kevin i'll give you patience you don't know what it looks like you don't know what you're asking but you asked me for it so i'm going to give it to you and it's 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 wild you know so I think it's crazy. You have to be really careful about what you ask God for. Because right. if you ask for it, you know, the Bible tells us that if you knock, the door will be open for you. If you seek, you That's will right. find. So, right. you know, right. we have Here's power the in our mouth. If we ask for something like that, he's yeah. going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. Did you ask for patience before you got married? Yes. There you yeah. go. Because here's, here's what I found. Um, whenever... In the translation from Hebrew to um, to English, the when it talks about Adam and Eve, <clears throat> they talked about making woman for man. In the original Hebrew or Aramaic, he uses the same word for woman as he does to describe himself. So he he created. <clears throat> He created woman for man, 
to be his strength. And so this the patience that you had to learn came from God because it came from the one that he gave you right. to help you. And so that's how you know it's of God because when man and woman become flesh, they leave and cling and they're made one flesh. So now she is you and there's no amount of unbonding you can do to change that. Right. And so whenever you ask God for patience, he says, okay, watch. We can see how patient you can be. And whenever you are, and when you wait on me, wait patiently, not asking God every day, hey God, when are you going to do it? It's putting faith to action and saying, okay God, this is what I want. I want patience. Okay, here's your test and trial. I'll let you be with him. I'll see how patient you can be. And then, it's like the story of Abraham. When he said, I'm 99 years old. I'm almost 100 years old. Yeah. Okay. Because you've been patient. Because you lean not on your own understanding. Because you trust in, in faith in me. Now I'll give you your help meet. The one that comes from me. That I use to strengthen your ministry. Here is your help meet. Now, I'm going to use this miracle to further your ministry. And I've taught you patience. Now, use that patience in ministry. Because we're not, we're not called to be... <clears throat> we're not called to be diligent seekers of, of religious people. Yeah. We're not meant to be teachers to the saved. Right. Jesus said, I come not for the righteous. I come for the sinner. And so if... if all we're doing is talking to, to save people all the time. What does that edify? It's it, You don't know patience until you've worked with somebody that doesn't believe in the God that you serve. And then you work with them and work with them and you answer questions, you answer questions, you have to, and you have to deal with them telling you, dude, you're, this is ridiculous. You believe in some bearded man in the sky. But then you have to tell the same story over and over again about this test that turned into your testimony. And they say, dude, I don't believe that. And then all of a sudden, mm. God will send a trial their way. Yeah. And the person that you've been working with, the person you've been patient with, and the person that you've been diligently teaching, now comes to you and says, hey, man, I don't know where else to go. I don't know who else to talk to, but I'm at my wit's end. Yeah. And I have no family, I have no friends. I have nobody else to talk to, nobody to turn to. I, I'm, I'm 30 seconds from in it at all. And now they say, I'm calling you because you know something that's keeping you going. And if there is a God, you're the person I know that knows God. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, while we were talking about this, you know, Kevin, how you were saying... Uh, patience and everything uh, you know you think about Abraham I think of Joseph and sometimes in that situation oh, yeah. you know sure. everybody knows the story of Joseph coats many colors dreams his father gives him the coat and you know that's how I sometimes I feel sometimes you know when he asks for something you know he got those dreams mm -hmm. you know and like you, you how y'all were saying earlier, like the trial will come because you there is like y'all like there's power in your lips 
in right. your tongue. I said that I said those words today. There's power and life and death in your tongue. There is power and you yeah. know. Joseph went through a pit. His own blood, flesh and blood trade him. I cannot that same like I can't I can't just imagine how that feels. Mm-hmm. You know, like my own family right. selling me for this much. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because, you know, in thrown in the pit. And I can only imagine what goes in that in his mind. I, yeah, he's probably this thing, Lord. I know you're gonna do it someday. And I think that's what makes a Christian more better, because like you know, Joseph. That's what some, if you go through one trial, there's gonna be another trial. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I feel that's how I'm feeling sometimes, because I like you know where I'm at in my season right now. I've been through a trial. Yeah. In this season, mm-hmm. if it weren't for that season, I wouldn't know what to do now in the season I am in now. Right. And you know, and I go to this verse <laughs> in uh, Jeremiah, verse twenty-nine, eleven says, "For I know the thoughts that I think towards you." Right. Says the Lord. And thoughts of peace, of not of evil, to give you future and hope. Right. Then. This is all like right here. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And I think of Joseph right there, in that pit in the prison. Mm-hmm. He praying, praying. Cause you, that's it. And sometimes I feel like people forget the basics. Sometimes, if that makes sense. Right. People that and like that's some things like I know we say pray and pray all the time. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we say that. Right. If it weren't for people saying, you wouldn't know what to do. If that makes sense, it's like that little that one. People over. I feel like sometimes people overlook prayer. Mm-hmm. And you know, for our church, we've been in a prayer little prayer thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll be honest with you, I really, really, I felt a whole shift. I felt. I'm not gonna lie. Something last night. Last night. You know, praying for like this an hour, and I felt the Holy Spirit was just so thick last night. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see what it takes, and you know, what it take it takes devotion. It mm-hmm. takes it takes a pit. Mm-hmm. It takes because there's people at our church, and then there's people at many churches who've been through some, who's made them stronger, who ask for things, and the trial will come. And that's what makes them stronger. Right. But I was saying earlier, I feel like sometimes people overlook prayer sometimes, thinking, okay, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank, Amen. Five-second prayer, anything. Okay, that's my prayer for today. Right. You know. Yeah. But I, that's that's okay. Yeah, that is that okay. That's completely okay. Because, like, <clears throat> me and Pastor Justin were talking about it. <clears throat> I don't know if y'all know who T.F. Tenney is. No. T.F. Tenney was, is a, um, he's a pillar, an elder, was a pillar at and elder in the UPCI um, organization, and he, um, one of his most profound little snippets was he said, I don't ever pray for longer than 15 minutes. Mm. Oh, yeah. But I never go longer than 15 minutes without praying. And that, that's so profound because it's, it's like what Jesus was talking about when he said, 
you know, it's you see the Pharisees and Sadducees with their they pray on the corners on boxes and and they say and they pray these eloquent prayers so they might be heard. But it's not a you don't have to do that. No, it says no. pray the mouths out of the mouths of babes of perfected praise. Mm-hmm. It's it's about and his his prayer and the Lord's prayer is the most simple prayer. But if you look back through it, you start seeing the what's what you're called to do in every stage of prayer. Mm-hmm. This is by kingdom uh, our Lord who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. That is calling out who you're praying to. You're praying to God. You're calling him by name as God. Um, hallowed be thy name. You're professing praise. Glorifying him. Glorifying God. And then thy kingdom, like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're saying, not my will, but yours be done. Take my mm-hmm. ego, take my hands off of it. That's right. And then he says, also, work in me. Forgive us not. Let us forgive people that work against us and the works that we do against people. Yeah. And for thine is the kingdom of power and glory for, for every man. Mm-hmm. So, and then also, once again, praise and worship at the end of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what our path to prayer should be every time. It doesn't have to be this long, eloquent, beautiful wording, psalmist prayers. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. But um, man, yeah, it's not everybody can be David. No, that's right. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> but it's what we're what you're talking about is, is looking at scripture and, and thinking about scriptures uh, attached to it and, and finding correlation in the Bible and stuff. What I what I typically I try to do before I read is I, I say, God, show me what you need me to see, and when I'm reading. I don't want to just read just to be reading. I don't want to read just to, just for vanity's sake, just to be able to say, tell myself and make myself feel better that I read my Bible today. Yeah. Read diligently. And so one day, I remember like it was yesterday, I was sitting in bed, just praying. I said, God, <clears throat> I'm going through a tough season. I don't, I'm at my wit's end. Show me what I need to see. So I was, this simple, simple Verse in Proverbs, because Proverbs is my favorite book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. At praying for wisdom, of course, Proverbs is my favorite book of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it was Proverbs three and thirty-three, I believe. Um, thirty-four. Proverbs three and thirty-four. Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. And in the season that I was in, it made so much sense to me. And I just I read that verse, and I just sat there sobbing in my bed. And I was like, "Oh," because in that moment it clicked to me that it, it's if you if you give God scorn and vile and vitriol and hatred, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah. But if you come to God gracefully and humbly. He's gonna tr- he's gonna take you by the hand and say, "Come on." He's gonna treat you like you treat your child. That's right. Whenever your child comes at you mad, throwing a tantrum, your temper's a little shorter than mine. Sure, absolutely. But when your child looks you dead in the face and says, "Dad, I love you," <laughs> hit you right. dead in the chest. Right in the chest. Right Just being s- sweet and kind and loving and daddy. I'm scared. Yeah. 
how how are you supposed to react to your child when they look at you in the face and say, I'm scared? Right, yeah. I mean, actually, you would do anything to protect your child at that point. They're like, you know, Daddy, I'm scared. Look, I, I can't tell y'all how many monsters I've scared out from underneath the bed. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't tell you how many I've scared away. But, and just because she thinks they're under there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and that's her reality. Right. That's her reality. So, and that's the same way I think God is with us. Like, right. He sees the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows that what's what's, in, what's happening in our life, he's orchestrated to edify us. But right. we can't see that because right. we're human. And so our reality is that this is completely spinning out of my control. Yeah. This is something that I can't take care mm-hmm. of. And that's where he wants us to be. He right. wants us to be in a place where we are completely out of control. And we say, you know what, God, I can't do this. I need you to do it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like Pastor Rick said yesterday. I, it really spoke out to me, even though it was such a simple phrase. He told us when he was opening up his message yesterday morning, he said, you know, God, take me out into the deep water. Take mm-hmm. me out to where I have no hope of the shore, because mm-hmm. only then can I depend entirely on you. Right. And there's no way for me to save myself. And I feel like sometimes we really need to adopt that mentality in our life. Right. Because there's inevitably going to be times in our life where we we cannot control it. You know, there's so many things that happen in our lives right now that are out of our control. You don't get to decide when you lose a job. You don't get to decide when a family member dies. You know, and so if we just entirely depend on him, we can uh, we can face those giants with, with grace. We can face those giants with assurance that Okay, this problem is way too big for me, but this problem is not nearly big enough for my God. Right. I like how you said that, Kevin. And I'm not going to say this person's name, but I know somebody who's been in a situation before. I know these people. Uh, if you, I'm not going to say who they are, but I think it's been three years now. I knew somebody who lost a son. A son is 16 years old. Mm. And... I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I've, been, I've this individual's told me, she said, when, she, when this person lost her son, this individual looked at the wall and said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to praise you anyway. Sorry. And I like how you said it earlier. It says, like, why you saying that five second, I'm not going to pray this long. Mm-hmm. To me, it's how you posture your heart right. in that moment. And like how you say, the bigger picture, mm-hmm. the monster's under the bed. Mm-hmm. God sees it. We see that as a situation, but God sees the big picture. And right. this individual, when they lost that family member, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the, sh- the shift, <coughs> the shift... In that family, my, I can't explain it. You know what's crazy, though, Caleb, is that the the people that you're talking about, the 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 church member that we have, that we're talking about. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail either, you know, because I don't want to to out yeah. that kind of situation. But um, the individual that passed away was in the youth group when I was the youth pastor at our church, and um, and so. Pastor Justin and I got to go to the, to the, I say we got to, but we were, we went to the hospital 
to uh, essentially comfort that family. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, you know, it was really hard for us to grasp the concept that this 16-year-old boy, you know, passed away. Um, but that leads us back to seeing, saying that God sees the bigger picture because um, the individual who lost their child couldn't see what was happening or what the uh, product of that mm -hmm. instance was going to be. She had no idea that in the near future that the rest of the children that she had at our church would give their life to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that because they saw their older brother and his devotion to Christ and, and the faith that their parents showed following that instance, I believe that that catapulted them to turning back to God and saying, look, if you can give our parents the kind of comfort that they're showing, then I want that too. And, right. if, and if I have to have a relationship with you to get comforted like that, then that's what I want. He's the um, comforter. It's wild. You know, it's, it kind of goes back to, like I was telling you before, it's a little bit separate from this particular story, but, you know, God sees the bigger picture, and, you know, for the situation with my daughter, where she saw monsters under the bed, you know, she, she's got an overactive imagination, you know, like most children do. She sees the monsters under the bed, but uh, I think that the situation is trivial. You know, yeah. I think, you know, I know, it's kind of like God does from the outside looking in, I know that there's no such thing as monsters under the bed. Right. You know? But to a two-year-old who has no idea what that is, that's her reality. So I can look in from outside and say, you know what? I know that that's not real. Mm -hmm. I know that what you're suffering through is, is trivial to me. But for you, it's overwhelming. Right. And so I'm going to help you with that. Right. This is yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, the only comfort that you can give somebody like that that doesn't come directly from God is that he's, he's home. Mm -hmm. There's no sorrow. There's no restlessness. There's no pain. He's, you know, the cliche, he's in a better place. But that, where else could you want to be besides with God and if he's if their if first son was a devout Christian man I, this place is not my home I, I don't want to be here any longer than I have to exactly I yeah. want to do my mission here <clears throat> I want to reach the lost here I want to share what I've been through to help people that are going through the same thing we can can see any relate to any testimony that I may have any wisdom that God's given me, I want to. I want to be able to do my work, but then I want to go home. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Because man, I'm I'm already tired. I've I've contended for the faith for as long as I can contend for. But yeah. I'm I'm going to keep pushing through and working as much as I can. But man, I had a period in my life where I never doubted that God was real. Yeah. I always knew that God was real because of my experiences. But my problem was I'm too inquisitive. I have I have too many questions. I have to. Yeah, that's my problem too. And I have I'm I've been told my entire life I'm too smart for my own good. And so uh, growing up in gifted classes, 
uh, spotlight, right. um, doing all the extra work and, you know, trying to find out new information and talking to my parents about it who don't care anything about anything I'm trying to learn. Um, hey, did you know? Did you know? My, that was my catchphrase. Did you know? Yep. Did you know? Did you know? Hey, did you know? Hey, I found this out. Did you know? And so, <clears throat> man, I don't... So I ended up... My biggest struggles were self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Because I tried to... I got too many questions. I didn't know the answer to. And the people that I looked up to didn't have the answer. And I was like, if you don't know, then I don't know. Then it's not. It's looking pretty bleak here, right? Yeah. And so, and so, <clears throat> in the past, you know, six months or so, I. It was at the height of my insecurity in religion, Bible-based religion. I was at the height of it, and at the same time, coincidentally, I was at my weakest mentally and emotionally. I realized that I was contending for my own security versus contending for the faith. And when I started finding respite in God, not in religion, not in going to church. Church catapulted. Church was a catalyst for sure. But when I started going to church and, and you know, communing with like believers and then praying on my own and leaning out on my own understanding, I started realizing, that, okay, this is what it means. It's lean not into your own understanding because there are some things that you don't know the answer to and you never will. You never will. There's some things that are just not meant for us to understand. And there are some things that I'm sure have been perverted and changed and yeah. twisted and put into our uh, doctrines that may not have been originally um, transcribed, but in the whole, it doesn't change the totality of what God is and who God is. That My faith in God has never been stronger, um, especially after coming off of stuff like, like last night. I mean, I don't, any atheist or non-believer, believer in science, whatever you want to believe, um, I challenge them yeah. to <laughs> Come into a place like that. Step out. Come to the altar. I, I dare you, because I'm telling you, it was so. Is that thick. step of faith? I'm telling you, when he he walked back there, I was sitting beside my aunt. He grabbed my hand and brought me to the altar. We started walking back and forth in front of the altar, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, it was like a shock wave. Yeah, just like it hits you out of nowhere, and it's like, oh God. Yeah. Oh, man. And there's no describing it. There's mm-hmm. no way to describe it other than it's the presence of God. And I guess, I guess that's kind of how it's meant to be. Right, yeah. You can't describe it in this, as other than... It's like it. It's so I can't thick. compare. There's no comparison. That's right. <laughs> I think, like you said, I think it was designed that way because you know, there's so many people in life that, that are chasing that feeling. You know, mm-hmm. They don't even know that that's what they're chasing. They're mm-hmm. chasing it with drugs. They're chasing it with alcohol or mm-hmm. with you know, familiarity with, you know, the opposite sex. Yeah. Uh, but they're looking for that feeling, and they have no idea that that's what they're chasing, and we do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think that we're, that's why I think that the Great Commission is mm-hmm. so important, because we have the knowledge of what you're looking for. 
you know, whether or not you want to take it is is on your shoulders. That's up to right. you. Yeah. But I want to do my part to tell you that, hey, if you're looking for this, I know where it's at. That's right. 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 And isn't it funny how people that aren't Christian love to pervert it and say, oh, my God, that just feels heavenly, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that a lot. <laughs> no, honey, you don't know what heavenly is until you feel it. Right. And that mattress don't feel heavenly. No, no. <laughs> but the power and anointing of God yeah. feels heavenly. And um, there's, I've been in some powerful services. I've been in, like, NAYC, uh, Youth Convention. Um, that was about on par with what um, last night was. And I'm telling you, it was 30,000 people in there. I mean, just slain in the spirit. I mean, I mean, it was absolutely unreal. And that was about how like last night was. And, uh, I mean... That's kind of how I feel about whenever we go to Winterfest, you know? I take the... the Toby Mac? Like the, yeah, for like the three yeah, or yeah. four years that we went to Winterfest... Sorry, y'all, we just had a moment right here. Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> my, 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 wife, my wife made stickers for the microphones. I'm so shocked right now. You don't know how happy I am. <laughs> 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 I'm excited. I'm excited. I think my heart's broken, though, because my name wasn't on that list. Oh, well, get on the worship team. Get on the worship team. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> Speaking oh, of that, I thought it was for these microphones. Oh, no. God, I totally, I totally <laughs> missed out on that. That's, That's way too many names. Went over here. <laughs> Come on, Kevin, get on the worship team, man. But yeah, listen to this. Look, I, I wanted to mention, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but I had no idea that you could play the drums. I can. blew my mind. You went up what? there and just go ham yeah. sandwich on a drum set. I'm still Bro. learning, man. You know, I I, for a second there, I thought that Stephen was going to go up there, and he plays on Wednesday nights, you know. Yeah. And so I thought he was just practicing, getting some getting some repetitions in, so that mm -hmm. he could start doing it on Sunday morning. But out of nowhere, I was like, bro, that's not Stephen up there. What's I've, going on? I've been playing like the last three or four Sundays. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is going on? Hey, is that Kevin? I think it is. Kevin. <laughs> No, I, Chad, you do amazing. He does. I just say this, and we was talking about last, well, how you talked about last night. What man? I want to throw this in here real quick. Yeah. That is not like me trying to down Stephen. If Stephen no, does this, I love no. him, buddy. No, you know? he's learning. He's Stephen learning. is doing an excellent job. It, it takes. I will say it takes a whole another level of <clears throat> courage and charisma. To play the loudest instrument possible. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And you're, as the drum player, you have to be on time, Every on time. tempo, because everybody else, the vocalist, piano player, bass player, they're all depending on you to keep time. That's right. And even if you get off time, you have to get back on time, <clears throat> yeah. because a lot of drummers will like will tend to I'll get I'll get stuck on this tangent all night so we have to, we have to <laughs> this sit. is something you just struggle with but, you just want to let go so bad but it's it's like Steven is Steven is good at tempo um, um, Steven is good at tempo he just needs to get more comfortable with it and comfortable with playing demonstrably and, and playing loud because you know back in the back you can't hear the drums right you know um, and so it's, it just takes time. It takes practice and set. 
I, I don't. People keep saying this is hard to believe, but I've only been playing the drums for. I've spent maybe a month buying a drum set, and so it's it's just I have no shame when it comes to playing the drums. Right, right. Yeah, I mean no, yeah. it, it, and, so, and, and you shouldn't. You know, I, I think it's it's just it just blew my mind. You know, because I I just I wasn't expecting it. It's not so much that I think that either one of you are are better oh, equipped yeah, or more. No. You know, for more sure. appropriate for the cage. But yeah. it's just wild because I've seen for the last three or four months that Steven gets in there on Wednesday nights and you know, just kind of putters around and he yeah. does his best. And, yeah. and he's, he's coming along great. You for know sure. what I'm saying? And so for I was sure. like, okay, he must be working to try to take over and do the drums to get Pastor Justin off the stage right. on Sunday mornings. And then I come in and I was like, okay... That's not Stephen, <laughs> because we can. I, the reason I remember thinking that is because we came in late that day. I think we came in uh -huh. like right as worship was starting, yeah. and I was like, I know what Stephen sounds like yeah. when he's up there drumming, and that's not Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I was playing the drums like the past three or four Sundays. Did that not register? No. <laughs> did you not, see, did you not see me coming coming down the stairs? Oh no. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I'm just so busy, you know, here worshiping. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. You know, trying to get in my own world and, and yeah. create a highway between me and God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's it's just I noticed you know that I sat down one day mm -hmm. like whenever between mm -hmm. songs and I was like, okay, what's going on up there? Because that's <laughs> not Stephen. <laughs> well, man, I've everybody in my family plays something. Yeah. Or is musically talented in some way, and I never got that gift. I never tried. I never got that gift. I tried to play the guitar a little bit, but then my my hands yeah, are too sh my hands are too short and fat to play the guitar, <laughs> oh, no. and so I can't. They don't stretch. I can't. I cannot do a bar chord to save my life. Well, I got I to can't. tell you that I love Ashley to death, y'all, because she has let me borrow her guitar four times, four separate times. I've told her, "Hey, I really want to borrow your guitar and learn how to play the guitar." And every time she does it with open arms, she's like, "Yeah, sure, here you can borrow my acoustic guitar, no <laughs> problem." Mm -hmm. And then, like, a month or two later, I give it back, like, look, I couldn't do it. I'm just not any good at that. Like, I can play all of the basic chords. Mm -hmm. Like, I've learned every hey. basic chord you can think of, but I cannot bar chord. Here's the news for you, buddy. You don't need to. Christian music, it's four chords. C, C D, D, G, and F. C sharp. You have a guitar book downstairs, don't I you? I do. Um, but, <clears throat> really, Christian music, it's just C, D, E, and F. A C sharp, um, but it's like, get a capo. You don't have to do bar chords. So. Yeah. yeah, it's super simple. But I I never had the musical gift. But then I, I started, you know, practicing on the drums because I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun, and I'll, I'm always tapping anyway. And so I'm always I have ADHD, so I'm always tapping anyway. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to play the drums. And I got behind the drum set, and I was like. Ding, dong, 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 dong. And I was like, oh, God, this is awful. And I was like, you know what? But it's fun. It's fun. I'm sweating profusely because I'm getting a workout, but it's fun. Yeah. And so I, I just started, you know, I put on my headphones, I, put in, I started playing some music, and I just let go of what I was doing, and I just tried to keep a beat and do what the, the guy on the headphones did. And I was like, okay, cool. And I started getting the hang of it. And so, but I haven't been playing very long, but I'm diligent in it, and I try to keep a tempo. I think the thing about playing drums for me is, I mean, I've told Caleb a hundred times that I wanted to learn how to play the drums. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing about that for me is that I, I can keep a basic tempo, like the basic like four count, or yeah. you know, I, I know how to alternate you know, between mm -hmm. hi-hat and a snare and things like mm -hmm. that. But 
I just sometimes I think I get overwhelmed with the idea of trying to do runs, and they're really not the that fails. complicated. You know, like the yeah. fails and the runs, they're really not that complicated. As long as you can keep yourself inside, like that 4-8 measure, yeah. like you can, I can hit every drone here 30 times as long as I can get back to where I need to be on right. Right. On beat, you know? of course. Um, but it's just the idea that you, you you look at a drum set, and you're like, dude, that would be awesome to be able mm-hmm. to play. And then you sit on the stool, and you, like, and you realize just yeah. how big a drum set is yeah, because yeah. you've got your toms and your hi hats and your yeah. snares and all of that, and it's crazy. Uh, it doesn't look that big from the outside. Yeah. Well, I have no shame, and so I keep getting in trouble because <laughs> <laughs> because me and Ashley will be playing like an ultra look at each other. We're just singing like. What are they talking about? <clears throat> it's just the eyes. It's, it's the just eyes. The eyes. It's just the eyes. Or the, or the hand motion. It's the hand motion. And so uh, I'm I'm a big fan of big, loud music. It's just who I am. Yeah. And so I've, I grew up with a blues background. I love blues music and, and grooves. I just love a, a nice, just simple, simple blues groove. And I'm, and But then Christian music or like um, 90s hair metal rock and just big demonstrative just boom build ups and build ups and build ups and it feels <laughs> crashing cymbals and so yeah, I love you just get oh, yeah. I, oh yeah I saw that come into like full swing last night well, I don't know yeah. if y'all saw Chad like going to town <laughs> on the, the crash and stuff but I was like brother is hitting those things hard enough that I can hear the actual symbol out here so he's going yeah. to town well, well, me... I, I've been told service after service that you can't hear the drums in the back of the church so I'm like I was trying to play a little quiet you know because I know how loud it is in the cage and I know how loud it is because I've been on the stage while people are playing and I'm like golly that's super loud and so I'm like alright I'm gonna play I'm gonna hit the cymbals but I'm not gonna try to crash the cymbals and so but last night the anointing fell during practice and I tried to play within the measure of the spirit, you know. I'm trying to, you know, not emotional manipulation. I'm not trying yeah, to do that. Sure. But in, in certain times, in certain mm-hmm. times when pastor is trying to, you know, start getting the spirit moving right. at the beginning of service and stuff, yeah. you know, whenever, to usher in the spirit. Yeah. Whenever he needs a little bit of encouragement, you know, you start hitting the kick drum, you know, rattling the cymbals yeah. a little bit, you know. And then it, it, it gets a response, which it needs to, because you, when you come into church and you're tired and you're dead on nine o'clock in the morning, you're like, oh, wow. And, <clears throat> but you need when, a spiritual pick me up. You know, yeah. And that's a really subtle way of doing it. Yeah. Know, because yeah. I think that, you know, I can't tell you, um, Miss Penny actually told Brittany the other day, she said, you know, when you walk into church over the last couple of weeks, you look like you're just beat down. Like mm-hmm. life is just giving you the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, e- it is, you know, mm-hmm. like, because everybody's got their struggles mm-hmm. and we've got some stuff going on at home right now that I just, I would give anything to be out of that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say I want to buy a house, it's not because I want to be, live the American dream like every other red-blooded American. I want to get out of the scenario that we're in now mm-hmm. and give my my child the best upbringing I can. Right. And, uh, and so, and my wife's probably going to kill me for saying that. But, um, the no, thing about that's it, what this is for, you know, but the thing about it is, um, when I come to church, I come to church because I want a relationship with God, but mm-hmm. I also use midweek service as a way to make it to Sunday. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like on Wednesday night, when I come into the church, like I, Monday and Tuesday at my job are really tough, at least mm-hmm. right now. That's when we see the most patients in our week, and I have mm-hmm. to be high energy 
and I think people underestimate how much it takes out of you to to give that energy mm-hmm. to your patients, like right. take or to other mm-hmm. people. It doesn't necessarily have to be patients. You know, mm-hmm. you can be a telephone worker doing telemarketing, but you have to be in a, a good mood and you have to give that energy to other people. So right. I'm drained mm-hmm. when I get out of work, and so. When I drag myself into church on Wednesday night, it's not because I don't want to be there or because I'm obligated, but I'm literally dragging myself into church like, please, God, fill me up and let me make it to Sunday. Yeah, fill you. That's you're, right. we're, all we are is vessels. That's all we are is vessels. Mm-hmm. And so if we're constantly pouring out, we need to be refilled. And if you're not, then that carries on to the next day. And then you start realizing, oh, I don't have it in me today. And then now when, where you should have been refilled, you're empty, mm-hmm. and now you don't have it to give. So now you may say something that you shouldn't have said. Your temper's shorter, your temper's flare. You you don't have the the compassion that you would have had had you been refilled like you should have been. You know, but I also think on the other side of that coin, um, if you don't share with mm-hmm. other people, you mm-hmm. know, the gospel. If you don't share the the Holy Spirit and the living water that you have in your vessel. Let's say on Wednesday I go to church and I get filled up. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, I, I don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't try to be mm-hmm. kind. I don't try to show the love of Christ or anything. I just kind of go through my work week. You know, I think that it's entirely possible to get to become too full. Okay, right. You want to share because you want to empty yeah. it out and let God fill you up some more. And yeah. so if you become too full, I think sometimes you can become stagnant. You can get right. complacent in the spirit, you yeah. know, where you show up to church on Sunday morning and where normally you would have been able to walk in and experience the overwhelming love of Christ. Now you're just sitting in the church pews like, what am I doing here? Right. You know, nature you don't ever want to be like that. Well, nature tells you about stagnant waters. <coughs> stagnant waters turn. Yeah. And they grow bacteria that can be damaging to your health. Yes. And so that, that breeds no life. But moving waters, spring waters, sure. they give life. Mm-hmm. And so if, you, if you're filled and continue to be filled, but don't pour out, then that water turns. Mm. That's when you start having this kind of gossip. Yeah. Right. Um, Absolutely. And backbiting. Yeah. Yes. But I like how, you know, I'm not going to lie I feel like more churches need to have Sunday night, because, like, if that makes sense, because I'm not going to lie, can I be honest with you guys, like, last <coughs> night, I needed that. Absolutely. Yeah, can I be too. honest with you? you? Me too. I'm not going to lie, if I'm just being honest, you know, I feel like, so, you have, like, you know, rut, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday, that morning, Sunday morning, I feel like I was just in that daily routine. A routine. Mm-hmm. And I like how Je- uh, Pastor Justin did last Sunday, mm-hmm. how he, you know, yeah. changed, I look. You know, sometimes we need that. Right. And I just want to be honest, you know, that's how I felt that Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told the guy we had Sunday night church, I'm not going to lie. I told him, I was like, oh, no, we did. <coughs> but I, at the same time, I was really glad we did, you know, because, like, you can't plan Sunday night church. Because I, from the a church that I've been in, we Sunday night is where, I, where everybody was just loose. Mm-hmm. Just loose. <laughs> you know, I grew up in... My papa was a preacher, mm-hmm. and we had, like, you know, son. I remember people just being drug out, you know, all that goodness. Mm-hmm. But last night, I really needed that, you know, when we were on stage yesterday, you know. I, I Before I got on that stage, I, I was in my mindset, get my mindset, I don't want to go through the routine. Right. I want to get on here. 
sweat to death, seeing my boys sing to him blue in the face, mm-hmm. and sit down, get to work, go home. Right. And somebody's told me, he said, my brother who's told me, you don't need, don't wrestle. Mm-hmm. If that makes it. Don't wrestle. Flow. Mm-hmm. And Cody Howe, who was there last night, mm-hmm. he said, Brother, I, I saw you holding back on stage during practice. I said, What do you mean? He said, I, I know what you can do. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I took that. And, you know, that, I got that in my mindset. I was like, Okay, this ain't every service is going to be a different service. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I have to see that sometimes. And when I realized, like, okay, I don't wrestle with this flow. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you just let flow, mm-hmm. it just, it, the, I don't know what it is. It just feels like it pours out better. Yeah, you take your hands off of it. And when we started saying, have your way, mm-hmm. have your way. When we started singing that song last night, I started feeling, Lord, have your way in this situation. Mm-hmm. Have your way when I lost my loved ones. Mm-hmm. Have your way when the doctor reports bad. Mm-hmm. Have your way when you feel like you can't get a child, you know. And that's and when we when I said that I just I don't I just felt like this said that I don't know why I just felt like I needed to say and I didn't wrestle. And when we just I don't know what happened when we just are, have your way. I just felt in my my flesh this felt like my flesh side of me this was gone. You know, it's crazy that you say that because yesterday morning was actually like a big thing for me. Yesterday morning was uh, when you guys sing that song um, it says when I thought I was yeah. you know where to find me. Like that song is I don't know what it is but it's got like a direct line to my heartstrings. Like, I cannot listen to that song, whether it's you guys singing it or Francesca Battistelli that sings it. Like, it, it brings me to tears because there were times in my life where I thought I lost me, you know, mm-hmm. or I don't even think I lost me. There are times where I could look in the mirror and didn't recognize the man looking back at me. And the fact that God is there and when I lose myself, he still knows where to find me and I can go to him. Mm-hmm. and find where I lost myself and pick it back up that you just there's nothing like that I wanted to say something earlier when we were talking about individuals that don't believe in God um, and this sounds really cliche but I heard somebody say this one time they said um, and it, it just it resonated with me they said you know what if you're wrong mm-hmm. you know yeah. like yeah. as an atheist what if you're wrong you know because for me if I'm wrong okay the, the core values of being a Christian are to show love to other people, to be kind, to do the right thing, to, you know, to lead other people to live a more profitable and more, you know, kind life. You know, like all of the good things that we're supposed to do are like core staples of the belief of Christ. Right. And so if I'm wrong, I spent my whole life endeavoring to be a good person and to recreate and be as close as I could to the example of perfection in my mind. But if you're wrong and you've spent your whole life trying to downplay that and prove that that this person that we believe was perfect and kind and forgiving and graceful and merciful, if you spend your whole life 
disagreeing with that and not believing in that kind of thing. According to our belief, there is a place that you're going to go to with eternal suffering. Right. You know? And so, if I'm wrong, all that happens to me is I cease to exist. But I spent my whole life endeavoring to be a really good person and to share love to other people. But if you're wrong, you have, and I'm right, then you're going to end up in this place that is... That is torment. unimaginable torment. Yeah. And so I try I try not to use that argument all of the time because it becomes a little cliche when I say it. But to me that really resonates because right. that's like the that's like the, the most that's the basic beliefs mm-hmm. of Christianity. Right. You know, like is I wanna be a better person. Right. I wanna be kind. I wanna be merciful. I wanna show mercy to people that do wrong to me. Right. Well I don't the Great Commission, <coughs> thankfully, <coughs> teaches us not to wrestle with heaven and hell. When Jesus was teaching the multitude, he didn't preach a lot of heaven. He preached relationship, and I go to prepare a place for you. But to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he preached hell. <coughs> he said, to the sinners, he taught redemption. To the religious people, he taught damnation. So, I think that how that works in modern Christianity is now we need... People in churches have been so beaten down with a heaven or hell ministry that now it needs to become more of a redemption song. It needs to be more uplifting and and teaching people that there's there's grace in Christ. And not, oh, you smoke a cigarette? <laughs> you better put that down or you're going to hell. Because that, that's the church that I grew up in. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It was, Very legalistic. It was, oh, you cut your hair, woman? Yeah. <laughs> you better quit that. You, well, now you're, you're damn straight to hell. And I don't, I don't believe that that's the message that Jesus taught, and I don't believe it's the message that we should teach. And let me just put your faith in Christ. If you are faithful to Christ, He'll show you what you need to be shown. Because this is supposed to be a daily walk. There's no way you can walk with God daily and miss it. Right. Like I know people that that preach a a doctrine that will say that our church is dangerous because we act Pentecostal but don't have the standards. The only thing I can say is that if God didn't ordain it, He wouldn't work in it. And it's obvious God's working in it because you can see the fruit of our labor. And you can tell the tree by the fruit it bears and the fruit that we're receiving is a powerful fivefold ministry full of prophecies, healings, anointing. Mm-hmm. If that's not God, I don't know what is. Because Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Right. We're not doing this in the name of Lucifer or demons. Yeah. We call on Jesus and he answers. So I, I would bolster the faith of anybody that listens to this. Focus less on doctrine 
Focus more on the Savior, and you'll be all right. I fully believe that. I think so. Amen. Um, but that's just something I've been wrestling with for a long time. Like I, last night, Cody Howell, I don't know if y'all were paying attention or not, or I hope you weren't because it, I was a mess. Um, <laughs> but Cody Howell um, brought me to the front and was talking directly to me. Everything he said was spot on. He said, I've wrestled a lot with church hurt and, and being downtrodden because of, you know, trying this pursuit of perfection and told every Wednesday and Sunday in youth group like clockwork. You better put that phone down, quit looking at porn. Better stop thinking about them women, you're going to hell. That's every Sunday and Wednesday. There was no feeding happening. I'm not being fed. Sure. And and living this pursuit of perfection had had knocked me back so far that it was no longer about worshiping God. It was trying to save my soul. And um, so I was a blubbering mess last night. And th- thank God that I, I being, I'm being restored gracefully. And what he said is I, God's putting back together the pieces of my heart, piece by piece. Yeah, I heard him say, you know, he can almost visualize just one individual piece at a time being placed back into your chest. It was, it was really powerful. I didn't get to hear the whole thing that he said, but it was really neat. You know, that he said, you know, that the, the spirit was so thick in the service that he was like, I can actively, I can literally see as God puts the puzzle pieces back into your chest. It was, I mean, it was and, nothing short of powerful. And I've, I've kind of been running from a pulpit ministry my entire life because I don't, I don't want the attention. I don't want the eyes. I, that's why I like the drum cage. I'm, I'm working in the ministry, but I'm back off in the corner. And I don't want the responsibility. I don't want any of the, the praise or adoration. I don't want people looking at me like I have answers. Uh, I don't want any of it. But I've been prophesied to twice so far since I've been at this church that I'm supposed to be working in ministry. And I knew what Brother Dean had said. I knew what he meant. I knew he was talking about a vocal ministry. But now Cody, me wrestling with it still, Cody said, no, buddy, I see a microphone in your hand. I said, oh, can't wrestle with that. You know what's so wild, though? And I think that's kind of the way that you feel about it. Um, You don't want the, the adoration and the attention and all of that. I think that's why when Justin told me about this podcast that I was so excited about it because I get to come in here and be myself mm-hmm. to tell you guys how I feel and to express my faith behind a microphone, mm-hmm. knowing that there's a possibility that hopefully, you know, at some point, if it ever got that big, that hundreds of people could hear this message, mm-hmm. right? But they have no idea who I am. They right. don't know what I look like. They don't know where I'm from. You know, all they know is the church I go to and my name. Now, until it goes on YouTube. Until oh, it goes on YouTube. Oh, God. <laughs> Please, I don't want nobody to know who I am. <laughs> but, no, let's just put it to the inspirational messages on like on pictures into the next one. Like, you know, our audio clip on the background, but then just rotating pictures sure. as the YouTube clip. Because I don't want people to see it in my face either. Please. Well, I mean, and I'm perfectly okay with at some point, you know, oh, it yeah. actually being a, vid- a visual mm-hmm. podcast. That's perfectly fine. 
you know, but the concept for me is that I'm not standing up in front right. of hundreds of thousands of people talking. You know, I'm right. not at some youth conference where I have to stand up and have lots of beady eyes staring at me while I'm trying to share right. my testimony. <laughs> Absolutely. I get to, that's right. I get to sit in here at the, in the comfort of this couch talking into this microphone. It with, is a comfy couch. That's right. <laughs> with the three of you guys and, you know, and, and talk candidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this message gets out to hundreds of people you know, then I feel like that's a good way for me to be able to share the gospel mm-hmm. without all of the stage shy, without all the gun shy and the stage right. fright and things like right. that. Right. Yeah. And that's that's something I had to struggle with. I had to struggle with that a lot whenever I was growing up in a in a church where you see the the man of God is up there on that pulpit bringing forth the word of God. And so whenever you're growing up and you're a halfway eloquent speaking, intelligent guy in a church, you know, the church I went to ran 1,200 people. And our youth group was about 120 people. And that dwindled in size to about 60 and to 300. 300 in the sanctuary, 60 in the youth group. And, you know, whenever I was going there, I was one of a few dedicated young men that didn't go out living a party lifestyle. And being a decently eloquent speaking, intelligent guy, what they're going to tell you is, you're called to ministry. Absolutely. And Even if you're not, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. Because you're so well-spoken, mm-hmm. and, and we've gotten into this mindset that in order for the message to be shared, mm-hmm. you have to be able to say it the right way. Right. And I just don't think that that's true at all, because like right. Justin told you, he mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm far from the most educated man you'll ever meet. Right. He said, and so that's why I know that if I was called to the ministry that the Lord is speaking through me, because I can't use these big words that mm-hmm. all of these other well-renowned right. preachers right. are using. Right. And then w- trying to grow in a church and then being called to ministry. You know you have a calling in your life because you feel God calling you, but also because you're being told you're called. People praying over you constantly, you're called, you're called, you're called, you're chosen, okay, all right, cool. And then you say, okay, I am. And then you accept that calling. Okay, cool. You find, find a mantle that you want to pick up, you know, like Elijah and Elisha. You find a mantle you want to pick up. Okay, cool. And then you start holding people and the pulpit in esteem. And that's the battle that I had to face. I had to wrestle with that battle. Not holding the pulpit in esteem. Not holding the position in esteem. But understanding that to have a pulpit ministry, you have to serve first. If you don't have a servant's heart, you're serving yourself. Yeah. And so that is, that's the battle that I had to r- rattle with because whenever you... Whenever you, I've preached quite a few times, and and when you come off the state off the pl- platform, and and you've done a halfway decent job, and you start people start shaking hands. That's a good message, buddy. That's a good message. Good word. Good word. Good word. It hits you in the chest. Man, I did a good job. I did a good job. And you have to wrestle with that. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Your that's pride what, gets in the way. Right. Even if you don't mean for it to. And that's yeah. why whenever I started talking to Pastor Justin about. Um, working in any kind of mystery. I said, look, dude, if you feel led to put me in any position, give me any type of responsibility, I don't want to tell you 
what that is. I don't want to give you an inkling or a hint, anything. I want you to feel led as the shepherd to tell me where to go because I don't want to keep my pride out of it. And so that's what we did. And, and that's why whenever people will say, man, you did a good job on the drums. You did a good job on the drums. I say, every time, if you're ever around me, when anybody says anything about me playing the drums, I say, no, but I just make a bunch of racket. Why? Because I don't want the praise and that I don't want to build my ego. I'm doing this to usher in the presence of God. It's not about me. Thank God that God's given me any kind of ability or talent at all to do anything. But I don't want that. Please talk about anything else because the last thing I need is any kind of bolstering of pride. To me, that's how you worship, if that makes sense. Absolutely. To me, that's why I sing. I like like I, I don't want to know I I don't care if nobody knows who I am. Right. And you know, that's what I was thinking about last night, you know. If I want like that's how I worship. Mm-hmm. I don't care if nobody knows who I am. I don't care if they don't know what my name is. It's how I show my affection to him. Right. And that's how when you play drums, that's your worship. Right. That's what I do. That that's how I release it. Mm-hmm. And because I'm kind of awkward behind yeah. the pew, I don't know what to do. Like I don't, I'm not a very bolsterous type of dude. Yeah, it's just not who I am. It me, Justin said I, when I preach, I preach a couple times. I can't express it how I want it to be. I have, I have trouble with my words. Mm-hmm. You've got this idea of what you want to say in yeah. your head. God has given you the words, but you can't get it out. Yeah, of and you know, but let me give you an idea. I don't, I don't hold that against myself. No, you shouldn't. But let me give you an idea. Okay, from the top of your head, name the five most influential people in the Bible. Me? Mm-hmm. Five, I think of Peter. I think of Noah. Noah? Okay. Joseph. David. David, yeah. I think of Paul. Okay, you're forgetting one of the most important people in the entire Bible in the history of Judaic culture, Moses. Yeah. Moses was one of the fathers of Israel. He was responsible for their salvation, for the most part, from, from Egypt. From Egypt. Mm-hmm. But you know what he struggled with? Yeah. Talking. Talking. Yeah. You can't talk. He has his own brother. But you know what Stutters. God called him? God called him a mighty man of valor. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the words he said. He said, if I'm going to speak to my people. You speak first. Mm-hmm. Let me take my mind and my issues out of it. But you know what people stuttering issues is? You know how they can get out and get over it? They sing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. It activates a whole different part of your brain. There's right. several videos of that to show you. That's you crazy. That I found that. That's really interesting. That this guy go on America's Got Talent mm-hmm. one time and just like stuttering every three or four words. He sometimes he couldn't even couldn't even speak. He couldn't get the words out. He was stuttering yeah. so bad. And he, he just opens up the mic and says, You know what? I, I can't sing I can't talk anymore. I'm just gonna sing. And he just sings like this most elegant, classical, operatic music. Mm-hmm. Out, and he didn't miss a note. He really? didn't miss a yeah. word. I was I think he's saying, uh, You Raise Me Up by Josh mm-hmm. Rogan was the song yeah. that the guy that was saying. It was crazy. That's crazy how he said that. But, but the funny part about God let me bring this to your attention. Yeah. The funny part about God is God has the best sense of humor. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, look at it. God will take every bit of your insecurity if you give it to Him. Yeah. God will take that insecurity and use it to reach nations. Yeah. God used Moses' stuttering, stuttering, stammering lips and ushered in the children of Israel towards the promised land. Conquering nations as he goes, he bolstered his people's spirits with stammering lips. Yeah. Well, you said, and I just want to testify real quick, because this, this is crazy, like, like real, this blew my mind, y'all. Last night, he called, Cody called me up and my fiance. Mm-hmm. We grabbed hands. And if y'all were there Wednesday night, um, when Dean did that prophecy thing, he's, you know, got the man in front of, I was standing behind that man. And that, I don't know, I never met this person. This is the gospel. I had never met the person in front of me. Mm-hmm. I never met this person. Mm-hmm. And what he said, he said, I see building blocks. You just build them. And during our revival prayer, mm-hmm. I've been praying, and this is legit. It I never had like this. Like from a total different stranger perspective, I was praying, Lord, I want my ministry to go deeper. And when he said that Wednesday night, and what Dean said, he said, I see you ele- elevating. And when Cody told told me and my fiance to come up, he exact words, I see your ministry available elevating. He said, You're more than just a singer. Mm-hmm. And when he my I'm about to cry right now, forgive me, but I'm like, Oh my God. I said, Lord, I know you hear me. Mm-hmm. I don't and and I just want to say this right quick. I don't care if my ministry is cleaning toilets. Right. And I feel like that's what some people need to say. Your ministry sometimes don't have to be holding a microphone on stage. It don't have to be playing drums. It doesn't have to be playing piano. God, If God calls you in a certain situation, you do it with all your heart. Mm-hmm. And that I thank God for... The cleanest toilets in the <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell you, man. But I feel like that's what some people overthink it sometimes. And I'm right. going to do this... I thank God for our team we got. I really do. We we have some of the most dedicated, faithful people that I've ever seen. It's amazing. With a heart to worship. It makes me cry because I, I love everybody. I will, I love y'all. And what's, is this crazy? What was said, and I don't, like I was saying, I don't care what it is. I don't care. Lord, I told the Lord, I don't care what you use me for. I just want to do my best. I will give you my all. Yeah, I just want to end with that. Well, you know, Jonathan and his armor bearer, right? Mm-hmm. Jonathan and armor bearer, they, they fought hundreds of people back to back. Back to back. <clears throat> and they fought, they won a fight they shouldn't have won. Two men against hundreds. And that's because... God appointed them and anointed them to be there. Yeah. And also, Jonathan couldn't do it by himself. He had his armor bearer with him. An inexperienced fighter 
but one willing to serve. Mm -hmm. He served at the king's leisure. Mm -hmm. He was faithful to serve. And because he was faithful to serve, he preserved the kingdom. And so it's, you have to be willing to lug around the king's burden for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. Get no glory, no adoration, no honor, having a servant's heart, and continually Mm -hmm. shoulder the abuse and burden Mm-hmm. of somebody else's ministry with a straight face with a smile on your face serving God while serving somebody else trusting that this is where God needs you to be that's tough it is tough it is that's tough to do faithful sir yep. because how, how often does our pride get in the way of that I mean where we have to <laughs> fight people man we've been on this podcast for almost two yeah. hours <laughs> Yeah. Um, I knew that was going to happen. Man, <clears throat> that was awesome. I enjoyed it. Um, I just think we can end it with prayer. Go ahead, man. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Jeremy, Father God, we just want to thank you today, Lord. We want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to sit here amongst uh, fellow believers, God, and letting us pour our hearts out, Lord, and expressing our faith, God. We ask right now, Lord, that you would bless each and every person that hears this, Father, as we post it on the Internet, Lord, and you use it to glorify your name. We ask right now that you would take it, Father, and put it on speeds. Put it on speed skates, Father. Put it out there in the world, Father, and let this play, let this podcast, this open conversation reach hundreds of people. Let it reach people that need affirmation. Let it reach people that need to edify their beliefs. Let it let it reach people that are hurting, that are uh, unsure of their faith, that are uh, that have questions about what it's like to to walk hand in hand with you, what it's like to walk a Christian life. And uh, let, it, let, let people see that Christians are just like everybody else, that we have struggles, that we have problems, but that we have, uh, but the difference is that we have someone like you to lean on, God, that we have someone that was there for us when we can't shoulder the weight of our problems, God. I ask right now that you would be, that you would bless the gentleman that are in on this podcast with me, God, that you would keep them safe, Father, that you would bless their lives, Lord, and that you would use us uh, outside this podcast to be able to glorify you. Use us as a mouthpiece for your glory and for your kingdom, God, because we ask all of this in your your son's precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Adios.